So we have a tremendous honor this morning. Uh, as you know, we partner with For the Nations DC, um, and uh, we get to hear from the executive director of For the Nations DC, Matt Kozowski is going to be preaching from uh, Leviticus 19.33-34 on God's heart for refugees and asylum seekers. If you're not uh, familiar with what For the Nations DC does, uh, what For the Nations does is they are a NOVA-based nonprofit that seeks to provide English language instruction and other educational services that help meet the practical needs of refugees, asylees, and immigrants, and to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. So locally, uh, God has put on their heart a heart for the nations because the nations are here, and they're just doing phenomenal work. And we actually have a uh, kind of a small contingency uh, from the transit uh, of volunteers who either have or are currently serving, uh, just serving uh, uh, those refugees that For the Nations is ministering to. So uh, Matt is a, a friend of mine, a friend of Jeff Toomers. He's a, a, have you graduated from RTS yet? Are you still? Oh, a fellow grad. So that's a, that's a milestone there. Um, and so a uh, fellow student who uh, Jeff and I love and, and know, I've known for a couple years. And uh, most importantly, um, uh, Matt here loves the Lord and he's got a heart for the nations. He spent uh, over, a, him and his family spent over, I believe over a decade of their lives in Central Asia. Uh, uh, what he would say, running a business and loving people through that business. Um, and so he's a man uh, who loves the Lord, who uh, has taken his family overseas and uh, um, had to come back over here. And even while he's here, he's still in the ministry. He's still uh, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and meeting practical needs, uh, establishing long-term relationships with asyl uh, asylum seekers and refugees. And uh, so tremendous honor today uh, to hear from Matt. Um, and, uh, and what I want to say is this to you is, is if as Matt is preaching and, and bringing the word to us this morning, the Holy Spirit tugs on your heart that um, you might want to partner. Uh, we, your tithes and offerings, we partner every month with For the Nations. We give money to them because we want to partner with them. They're doing an amazing job uh, uh, with everything they're doing over there. Uh, but if the Lord tugs on your heart to, hey, this is something that I want to volunteer with. How can I get involved? How can I get plugged in? Matt will be uh, in the multi-purpose room. He's got, you know, the classic table set up for whenever when we have a guest speaker coming. He's got the table set up. Go talk to him and get more information uh, about uh, what we can do to welcome the refugee that uh, is literally across the street from us in, uh, in the landmark area. So with that said, let's put our hands together and give Matt a uh, transit church welcome. That was a lot longer than the little blurb I gave him, but that's how it goes. Um, so we're going to be in Leviticus 19. When's the last time some of you heard a, a sermon from Leviticus? But we're going to, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go there. And there's a lot in God's Word um, here. So I would really encourage you, we're going to be, um, he mentioned we're, we're looking at verses uh, 33 and 34, but actually we're going to be um, jumping around in a couple other places in Leviticus 19 as well. Context is important. So I would keep your Bibles with you, probably on your phones, um, if you must, or in a, uh, an old school codex is good too. So, um, but let's, uh, let me read that. So it's Exodus, or Leviticus, sorry, 19, uh, 33 and 34. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall not do him wrong, sorry. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as native among you. And you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Let's pray. 
Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how powerful it is, how it uh, it's, um, moves into our hearts and soul and pierces us and uh, changes us. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that we would do that today. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you. Um, our God, our rock and our redeemer, I pray that you would uh, use us and mold us and fuel us today for your work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Um, I spent most of my adult life in Central Asia, and I'll begin with a little story. I think we've got a pretty international group here. How many of you have shopped in Carefor? French grocery store? Wow, we got a couple. So Carefor, it's kind of like Walmart. Of the, it's like a French version of Walmart. It's actually a really great store. So, well, um, it's, it's where we can get a lot of things that you can't find in your local market. And in our city, we were in Central Asia in a largely Muslim area, and the, a Carefor had set up at a huge kind of permanent bazaar. It was, it was set up by the government. There was a lot of uh, shops. And, and anyway, Carefor was down in the basement of this bazaar. In order, in order to get there, what they would do is they'd run you through this labyrinth with shops all around and all kinds of weird things. You'd be, I'd be going, like, I hate shopping. I shop like people from North, I'm from North Dakota. I shop like people from North Dakota hunt. Like, they go out, and they're going to kill their deer, and they're going to haul it home. Like, when I shop, that's how I go. I'm like, I need to get the thing I need. But it's hard walking through this labyrinth to, to not be like, oh, look at that. That is a dried lizard of some kind. They've, they've ground it up, and I think they're going to drink it or something like that. So there's all kinds of, of things like that. But, but I'm really there to get vegetables and rice and meat. And in a way, Leviticus is kind of like that. Um, you're gonna, if you want to look at the rest of uh, chapter 19, it's going to be like walking through that labyrinth on the way to care for. There's going to be, like, literally, I got a list here. There's some strange and difficult things in Leviticus 19. In verse 27, they're going to talk about haircuts. In verse 19, they're going to talk about fashion. In uh, 20, about abuse and slavery. In 19, about cattle breeding. In verse 31, they're going to talk about wizards. In uh, field planting, in verse 19, respectful the elderly, in verse 32, tattooing in verse 26, and the list goes on. And, but for now, I want to pull you away from that list because it's super easy to get like, oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? And want to focus on the, the, the vegetables and the rice and the meat that we really need. And that's these two verses here. And so let's, uh, we'll go to the next, the second slide. <clears throat> so in this passage, there are, there are essentially three commands that God is giving us, and they've kind of um, up, the, uh, up the ante in terms of, uh, of, of difficulty and depth. And so the first one is in verse 33. It says, do no wrong to the stranger that sojourns among you. So what does it mean to do no wrong? And actually, it, it goes into verse 35 and 36. Um, kind of gives you an example of this, kind of this, this overarching idea of do no wrong. So you shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. Okay, we get it. Like, don't cheat people. You shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, a just hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Okay, so this is, this is important. So whoever the stranger who sojourns among you, when they're, the Israelites were commanded, when they're there, they need to treat them um, justly, to have, uh, to, to have just measures and to not, um, not swindle them. Okay, but let's look at that stranger who sojourns idea, that who is this? It's a really interesting phrase. And actually what's going on here in, in the Hebrew is it's actually a, it's verbalizing a noun or to, to use the correct um, linguistic sense, it's, it's nounifying a verb. What I mean by that is 
Like think about Google, Googled. Google is a thing, it's a, a search engine, but we've turned it into a verb. I Googled this yesterday. I Googled a bunch of things to write the sermon. I actually Googled to get that picture of Van Gogh and we'll, we'll, get, to, we'll get to him in a bit. Um, deceiver, or sorry, deceive and deceiver, or deceive. Uh, runner, running. So you got the verb and a noun and they're kind of, the, the, the word root is the same, right? In this case, it's actually aliened and aliened. So this is the alien who aliens among you. Aliens, like not the, the noun, but the verb. It's not actually a verb, I'm making it up. But you get the idea, like it's kind of, it's kind of repetitive. So there's kind of a, this idea that this is an outsider. And so you might think that these were just people from another tribe in Israel, right? Israel's kind of spread out. And this is, again, this is the context. The, uh, um, this is actually Moses who's writing this to slaves coming out of Egypt. And they might think that, okay, God is commanding us to treat other Israelites like this, right? But no. And let's look at 19, 17, and 18. <clears throat> From Leviticus 19, 17. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. So now we're getting this idea of neighbor and brother, Okay. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So notice he didn't use sojourner. He used neighbor and brother. And in this, in this chapter, when uh, Moses uses neighbor, he means Israelite. And when he means sojourner, he means something else. And so <clears throat> the stranger, what's happening actually here is the stranger who sojourns among you is somebody you don't know who's traveling through you is an alien these are not Israelites. These are Moabites. These are Philistines. These are, these are Syrians. These are Babylonians. These are people who are coming through who are traveling through. They're not Israelites, okay? So that's your first command. You want to do no wrong to the stranger that sojourns among you. So I mean, we can get it. So the, the Philistine is coming through. They're kind of poor. They need to buy some things. You don't, you don't gouge them. You don't price gouge them, okay? The next command ramps it up a little bit, and that's in verse 34a. Treat the stranger who sojourns among you as native among you. So, again, you're seeing the distinction between neighbor and stranger, or neighbor kind of native, connecting that, neighbor and native. So, you're to treat the sojourner, not just do him no wrong, but also to treat him as you would treat another Israelite. And um, a really, really good example of this, actually, is Ruth and Boaz, if you know that story. Um, one of my favorite books in the Bible. Here's Ruth from Moab. She marries an Israelite, and her and her sister both marry Israelite um, men. The two men die, and there's Ruth and her sister. Her sister decides to stay in Moab. Ruth goes with her mother-in-law, comes back, and here's a woman who has no status in the people of, of Israel. And in that context, I mean, we think it's hard to accept immigrants today in certain places. This is even harder because they're speaking a different language, they have different customs, they have a different religion, and here is Ruth coming. And what happens to Ruth? She's actually integrated into this. She's actually brought into the people of God through, the, through her faithfulness, through Naomi's, and through Boaz. So it's, uh, that could be your homework. Read Ruth again. It's just a wonderful story. And so treat, this is what they were doing. They were treating Ruth as native among you. And now the third command is in verse 34b. So love the stranger who sojourns among you as yourself. This is where this command gets utterly radical. And if you think about it, like, was, was he talking about treating a, a Philistine as an Israelite? 
in a sense, yes. Now, he's not talking about the Philistine army. He's not talking about Goliath and a commando unit coming by. He's like, oh, hey, Goliath, well, welcome here. Let us, you know, treat you well. These are, those are invaders. That's different. He's talking about poor people coming in. And here's where you see it. Look at verse uh, 9, 9 through 10, 19, 9 through 10. So verse 9, when you reap the harvest in your land, you shall not reap your field right up to the edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after the, your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes from your vineyard. Okay, so get the idea. God is telling his people to practice bad farming. So, I mean, I grew up in North Dakota. My grandfather was a farmer. He wouldn't do this kind of thing. I mean, you, 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 you take the whole, but, but God is saying, leave the corners of your field unharvested. And leave, if you've ever been to vineyards, like a good vineyard, the grapes are absolutely everywhere. You can get so much out of them. But he's saying, like, leave some grapes on the vine. And why is that? Let's look at verse, uh, where was that? 19. 10, thank you very much. 10, 10b. So, <clears throat> you shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Notice he didn't say the poor and the neighbor. He said the poor and the sojourner. And so it's actually connecting the sojourner. It's giving us context for who this sojourner is. Again, the, the people, the Philistines that would come through that would absolutely need the, corner of the, the grain in the corner of the fields or leftover grapes on the vine were not Goliath and his like. They were, they were going to come and they'd, they'd go into the house and they'd take what they want. These were poor travelers, poor sojourners. And this is, again, this is like thousands of, this is what? More than a thousand years before Jesus, he's saying that. In fact, this is one of the, uh, and that's why I bring up to this uh, picture of uh, Van Gogh here. If you guys are familiar with this, this is right behind me. This is Van Gogh's uh, version of the, the Good Samaritan. You guys know that story. A uh, lawyer comes and asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story about this uh, man who was robbed and beaten and, left, and stripped and left for dead. And uh, a religious leader walks on the side, Levi walks on the other side, and here is a Samaritan, the very enemy of the people of Israel, who, who loves him and said, that's how you treat your neighbor, the way that, that this, uh, this man did. And when I was preparing for this sermon, I, you know, I tried to read commentaries on uh, Scripture, and you can, you can imagine there's not a lot of commentaries out of Leviticus. But one of the most profound was something that was said regarding this passage. And it went something like this when it was referring to the Good Samaritan story. When the lawyer who asked Jesus that question asked him, he should never have needed to ask it because the idea that Jesus taught in the Good Samaritan story is right here in Leviticus. So follow the, you got, because you follow the commands. First, the sojourner, do him no wrong. Don't cheat him. The second, treat him as native born. That's pretty radical. Even more radical, love him as yourself. And so way back in Leviticus, this is the heart of God. And this is, this is how, uh, how God thinks and operates and how he wants us to. And so again, those three commands are really one. They're all one in love the sojourner who sojourns among you as yourself. Now, the next question you may ask, or I'm going to ask, and nobody gets to ask me because I'm here <laughs> talking, but how do we live up to this idea? Love the, 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 love the sojourner who sojourns among you as yourself, or love the immigrant as yourself. And I think, and I'm looking at myself here and all of us, I think as Americans, this is kind of a, we're a bit of a mixed bag, like, we're not as bad as, you can always look at other cultures and other people, we're not as bad as some, but, but honestly, there is, uh, it's really hard to do this. And I think our innate selfishness really makes it hard for us to love immigrants, refugees, asylum seekers, poor neighbors as ourselves. It's just, it's really hard to do it. And I think it's, 
it's tough to talk about this because there's a lot of good that's going on. And I'm really grateful for what we're seeing in a lot of places, especially even in our city. But at the same time, there's a lot that just isn't. And I think we, we really need to examine our hearts before God and to see how are we treating these strangers who sojourn among us. Because in our context, the, the wandering, poor Moabitess um, uh, Ruth is, um, is really akin to the people that are coming um, fleeing from all kinds of things to come into this country. And so, um, but before I get into that a little bit, because I'm going to talk a bit about For the Nations, what we do, and, and some of the people that come, we want to talk, I want to talk about the, the um, foundation of how can God ask something this radical of his people. This is truly, truly radical. And if you look at 34b, this is kind of the grounds he gives. He said, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, when you see that capital Lord, I'm sure um, uh, Pastor Nick is bringing this up. When you see capital L-O-R-D, it's actually, they say it Adonai. And so when I was in seminary in Greek class, or not Greek class, Hebrew class, they wouldn't let us, when we read Hebrew or tried to read Hebrew, it was a rather funny thing. They wouldn't let us pronounce the actual name of what that Lord is because the, the, uh, the Hebrews or the Israelites for thousands of years have considered that name so holy, they won't even pronounce it. And so they will actually just use Lord. But it is, it is what we now know as Yahweh. And I think, we can, I think we can say that, and we should, because that is God. It is the I am who I am. It's connecting back to the, the burning bush. And so when he, when he invokes his name like that, he's pretty serious. And the second thing, he's reminding him of his name, but he's also reminding him of his character. So he, and, that, and that comes from I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The foundation of the relationship between God and his people is the exodus. And some points about the Exodus. The people of Israel, again, it's important when we read the first five books of the Old Testament to remember that these were slaves in Egypt that this was originally written to. Sometimes we're like, oh, that, you know, you think about just, it is written to you, to us, yes, but originally to slaves in Egypt. And these were not a powerful people. These were a very weak people, completely oppressed in slavery. They were not good or moral people. I mean, think about the stories of them in the desert, how they were constantly complaining and wanting to go back to Egypt. But they were a people who received God's grace, who received God's mercy and his love. And so if you want to understand the Old Testament and really in, indeed to truly understand God, we need, it's hard to overemphasize the importance of the Exodus. You see this reference God makes to the Exodus over and over and over again in the Old Testament. And that foundation is important because it shows God's grace toward us. It shows who we are in relation to God. Now, why does that matter to us now? Well, first, because we are his people. We worship the same God who gave those commands to those slaves coming out of Egypt. We worship the God who gave us special blessing to be his people. And what this Exodus story does, it gives us the framework of our, of our relationship with God. We are the slaves. He is the Savior. And the, the Exodus is the type and the cross is the reality. So today, we're going to take communion, right? And that is a very powerful uh, symbol, an ancient symbol, but it, it goes all the way back to the Exodus. Remember, it is the, the new covenant, as we say, uh, expression of the Passover, of the celebration of the Exodus. So as we're taking the bread and cup, remember, this is going all the way back to God saving his people out of Egypt. And the saving that God gives us now is far more comprehensive than what happened to the Israelites. Again, theirs was the type. What we, have, what we experience is the reality. The type was people were, um, were slaves to Pharaoh, and God freed them to be his people. And the reality is we are people who are we're slaves to our own selfishness, 
not just about immigrants, it's selfishness about everything. We struggle with this, always wanting more for me, for me, for me, and God frees us from that. Of course, not perfectly, this is a lifelong process, but God is merciful to people like us who need him and who are not able to earn our way to him. And Paul mentions this in Romans 6, uh, 6, 6. You don't need to look this one up because we'll stay in Leviticus for a bit here. But uh, Paul says, we know that our old self was crucified with him, with Jesus, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So again, the exodus is a typology, slaves to Pharaoh. We are the reality, we're slaves to sin. And God frees us by his grace and mercy. So now let's get to the application. That's, this is uh, where uh, the, the kind of meat of this, this sermon goes. How do we apply loving the sojourners yourself in, in, in our city? Now, you can probably know where, I, where I'm getting at. When you ask the guy who works among immigrants, refugees, and asylum seekers to preach, this is what you're going to get. Because um, I have one specific lens. It's looking at this city through the eyes of immigrants. Um, it's not in my notes, but it was a funny um, thing. I was walking with my wife in our neighborhood, and we're walking, and we saw one of those signs like, you know, we believe all the kind of platitudes that people do to make themselves feel like they're really righteous. And I think there's still, there is some real concern for people. I don't want to be too hard on them. But it's in the yard, and right, right next to it is a, um, you know, it's a bunch of Halloween decorations. So we've got, like, basically we got, um, uh, like, a graveyard decoration. And so I was walking through, I'm wondering, what does the immigrant see in this? Like, okay, we believe all these good things, and I'm kind of part of that. But then, like, it's in a graveyard. So does that mean those ideas are dead? Does that mean, like... We also believe in, like, death is really good. I mean, it's just it's so much confusing. Anyway, that's one little thing. But what I'm saying is I want to try to um, apply this through the eyes of, of, of immigrants. And, again, I think what we're talking about here when we say this, this is important, the sojourner or sojourns among you is, uh, is not just our poor neighbors. And I'm, I'm really glad that we suppress to help them. But it is the people that are coming from um, all places in the world to, usually because of some sort of brokenness. They're poor, they're needy and they're in our city, and they need us to leave our fields kind of bare for them to, to have, some, have some food to eat. Um, that's a terrible analogy. Um, maybe I hope you get it. Anyway, let me move on. But I do have one caveat here, because I think there may be some of you that are um, part of your job is deciding uh, who can and cannot be a sojourner, who sojourns among us, who can and cannot come into this, this country. And I do want to say that... Um, you have a very, very difficult job. And as I was writing this and thinking about this, I was praying for you specifically. I don't know if anybody's here in that, but that's a really hard thing. It's, it's different when you have an immigrant or a needy person right, right next to you say, hey, what can I do for this person? But it's, it's also really hard to be the people in a leadership position of government to say, hey, who's going to come into our country and who's not? And how do we think about protecting the whole country? And I think that's important and we need to, uh, to think about that. But what I'm talking about here in terms of applying um, this passage to refugees, asylum seekers, and immigrants. These are people that are here legally, that we know. These are people, for example, that are fleeing the Taliban in Afghanistan, the people that are fleeing the Communist Party in Northwest China, the people that are from Morocco who have been working through the legal system sometimes for decades to get here. These are just some of the examples of the students, the people that we have in For the Nation. So that's where the application is. And so in terms of broad categories, how do we apply this to our lives? Um, I want to I offer two things, but, but first the caveat and hope to kind of filter through all this. When, and the, the two things are this, sorry, is to, uh, to care and to love and to serve. 
or sorry, the care and to love and to proclaim the gospel. Those two things are actually in our tagline for our for organization. But before I get into that, I just want to, again, um, encourage you all, and you can talk to, actually, we've got, is Evelyn here? Evelyn's been working with us. Thanks, Evelyn. And uh, the Raymers are here. They, uh, they've worked with us, and I'm sure there's probably anyone else I'm forgetting who is uh, already serving with us. I hope and pray that you would know just how, what a blessing this is to be in God's work and to, to serve in these two ways, to, to care and to proclaim the gospel. So those are my two application points. First, caring. Um, so I'm going to, um, actually, one of the things, my, I have, sorry, I didn't get to introduce my family. Um, I'm married to Jill. She's amazing. She's not here. She's with our two boys um, because two of her Afghan friends want to visit church, which is great. And we want, and they've come a couple times, so we didn't want to give them something different. Want to kind of um, give them a chance to, uh, to see, it, see it again. So that's a great joy. But my two daughters, Marion and Vivi, are here, and they're probably really embarrassed that I uh, mentioned them. But we'll move on. So um, the first point is caring for. How do we care for the sojourner who sojourns among us? Um, and so I'm going to go in the context of For the Nations DC and kind of what we have. Um, the first, one of them is, um, well, when these folks come, they need absolutely everything. I mean, you can't imagine. This is not when we travel to another country. It's leaving everything behind. So they need housing. In fact, if any of you want to get involved in a family that needs housing, like needs rent help right now, it's an Afghan family. The husband is, uh, the breadwinner is going in for surgery and won't be able to pay rent. You can talk to Justin over there. He's got a very, uh, Justin and Kristen, very big beard and not a beard, very nice family. Talk to them. They will give you more, uh, more details. Um, and uh, so housing is one. Food is another one. Um, a vehicle, help learning how to drive, uh, access to medical care, English classes, and that's what we do. Access to education, helping navigate the education system. Uh, trauma counseling. These are all kind of things that we, we want to be part of. And there is, there's just so many, there's just a small list of all the things that people who are coming here need. And so we can go to the next slide, the, uh, the website. Really easy way, just go to our website. You'll see, I don't know if you can see it right there. This is a little better way to look. Um, big obnoxious red button is how to help Afghans. We connect to organizations that, um, that we're, we're partnering pretty close with kind of throughout the whole process. We are kind of more down the track a bit in this in that we, uh, we're, we're, as we say, playing the long game. Like we want to be engaged with these folks for as long as they, uh, they need help to get, to get them to the point where they can uh, thrive in our, in, our, uh, in our country. But you see at the bottom, kind of in dark, there's a whole bunch of other little buttons. Those are all the languages of ESL classes that we have. And, um, and we probably are adding to that um, every, every semester. So, um, but, so, part of, so what we're doing in kind of this help and caring area is um, kind of three main things. We do ESL classes for adults. So that's where you see the buttons in the bottom. We do six hours, six plus hours a week plus childcare. And during the day, um, these are, we wanna make this, a, we do our classes during the day. So we want it to be a normal routine for students. Any of you that have learned language, I'm sure some of you have learned language. Some of you are coming here as English is not your primary language. You know, it takes every day, just like plugging through. You can't, you can't do it once a week like they try to do in schools. It's, I always chuckle at that. We're like, Oh yes, I'm taking Chinese. We have one hour a week. It's like, great, you're learning. What, that Chinese is a language and uh, you learn a couple words here and there about Chinese, very nice. Sorry, I'm probably too hard on them. Anyway, so we have ESL classes. We help students access resources. So um, that's, in fact, once we're really looking for help in this way. So again, our, we can't help in every way and we can't even help in most. I mean, we, just have a, we have one little piece, primarily the education piece. But because we're in relationship with students, they're with um, families, they're coming to us and they're saying, 
hey, I've got a, you know, my kid needs this, or I need this medical thing, or I have this, all kinds of things we don't know, we don't know what to do. And we're just, honestly, right now, we're just kind of doing it ad hoc. We're like, oh, we've got this need, and we talk about it as staff. What do we do? But we really need help in accessing resources, finding out the things that are available in this city, and really making it happen with students. So if you want to be part of that, please uh, come talk to us. Um, and then the kind of a third big thing is we're um, delivering and referring to trauma counseling. So we are, um, because most of the, the uh, students that we have are coming from some sort of trauma. I mean, the two, the two biggest ones are Uyghurs from Northwest China who they can't even call their family who they don't even, some of them they don't even know where they, where they are and haven't talked to them for years because of what the Chinese Communist Party is doing to them. And then we all, um, in the news, we, we hear about Afghans and that's gonna start to, to wane because you know, the news cycle is going to go into something more interesting, but the Afghans are still going to be here. In fact, a lot of them still haven't even come here. They're still being processed at various places around the world, and some of them are even still in Afghanistan trying to get out. So um, helping um, trauma counseling is, is super, sorry, is really, really important um, because they are coming out of trauma, and as followers of Christ, we can offer some real help in this way to help process how do you deal with injustice done against you in a powerful way. Um, okay, and here's how you can partner with us. Next slide, this is kind of, um, so here's the list prayer. Um, at the, I've got in that, that back room to the left, um, I have a, a sign-up sheet. Uh, we have a, a prayer email that we send out about once a month. If you'd like to get on that, love you get on that, please uh, sign up for that. And um, the second is financial support. So. In terms of funding, we, we need to pay childcare workers. It's, it's very difficult to find volunteers, although if you could volunteer for childcare, it's super helpful. But we often hire immigrants to be childcare workers, so, um, so we, we do need funding for that. And that's really hard to do right now. As you all know, finding work for anywhere is hard. In fact, that is a next childcare volunteer. So if, uh, if there are any, um, any families, again, just a couple hours a week would really move the needle for us in terms of helping out with childcare. And um, a childcare worker paid position is kind of the next one. If you could refer someone who needs a job during the daytime to uh, kind of part-time job, come talk to us. We'd be, uh, we'd be glad to, um, we have needs there. And then a couple of key positions, resource director. Again, I talked about when our students come to us and they have needs and we don't quite know how to meet them. We're, we're kind of scrambling and working together to try, to try to put that together. But if we had a really skilled director type that could give, um, you know, maybe 10 to 20 hours a week to help us organize that, that would be really, really uh, amazing. Resource team volunteers. So if we get the, the director we can have, I think volunteering, again, this is not necessarily time, it doesn't have to be during the day. So volunteers could, could volunteer for a couple hours anytime during the week. And it might be like a research project. Oh, we have this medical need. Can someone try to help find, to meet that need? So that's uh, resource team volunteers. And then a tutoring director, another volunteer. In the past, we've done a, we did this on Zoom, is we offer tutoring to the school-age kids of our adult ESL students. So again, we want to try to help and bless the whole family. And so, as you can imagine, there's a lot of needs in the school. And so it worked pretty well, but we kind of need someone to, to head it up, somebody that's organized that can um, help direct our and organize volunteers to help with, uh, with tutoring. So... I talked about kind of the practical caring. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is gospel proclamation because for the nation's DC, we want to have our cake and eat it too in that sense. We want to, we want to be able to serve in kind of playing the long game, and, but we also want, to, uh, want them to know who, about who Jesus is. So let's go to the next slide. 
this is from, um, this is this last week's Bible lesson? So what we do is we hardwire the Bible into our English um, curriculum. And to do that, we have our normal uh, ways. We have 45 minutes, uh, so we two hours a block of students in class. 45 minutes is a class. Then we have 10 to 15 minutes of a Bible lesson in English. And then we have 10 to 15 minutes of coffee and tea and chatting and then another 45 minute class. And these are actually really good English lessons, but building on uh, who God is, who Jesus is, and um, how that affects them. So the big idea in this one, this is Abraham and Sarah. You can see this picture. This is uh, Jan Van Hoff from uh, gospelimages.com. Just really, really good paintings. And images are important because this, we, we, this needs to be an English lesson because we really do care about them learning English because you can't function as an immigrant in this country without good English. And so we're very, very serious and work very hard to teach them English. So even our Bible lesson are good, are good English lessons. We have new words, we have phrases, things they need to know, and we talk about what the story means. We keep it short so they can understand it. And so the big idea in this one is God keeps his promises. And this is the story of the birth of Isaac, right? And just, I love it how there's just an old, old man and old woman holding a older baby. Because at this point, our students would, they would actually get to understand these two because we've talked about Hagar and Sarah. We've talked about Abraham and the covenant. And, and here is God um, fulfilling his promise that he made to them. So um, when it comes to gospel proclamation, just I want to share just a couple of things to encourage you as you do this and as you are, are uh, like how we can, uh, we can do this in terms of gospel proclamation. There's like a million things I could talk about, but just a couple that I, I, I want to um, highlight. So I don't, don't, I encourage you, don't go blasting long monologues in English if you don't know that someone's not interested or not listening. Play the long game in this. Um, we don't have to feel like, I, I feel like sometimes I've, I've done this in the past. So I've been serving in some sort of gospel proclamation uh, work for most of my adult life. And sometimes I feel like, oh man, I'm doing a terrible job if I don't like share the gospel at the end of this meeting. That may happen sometimes, but let the Holy Spirit guide you. But first of all, try to love first and foremost and not feel like, oh man, if I don't do this at the end of this meeting, if I don't have a gospel presentation at the end of this meeting, I've done a terrible job. That's not always the case. Um, but do pray and make choices that will allow you to be friends with immigrants. So that's what we're inviting you into and for the nations. You can come and serve with us and volunteer with us and partner with us, and you will be bringing a routine of having uh, relationships and friendships with um, the sojourner who sojourns among us. And ask a lot of questions. Whenever, I'm, whenever I don't know what to do and I'm hanging out with you know, somebody from another culture, even if I know the answer to the questions, I'm going to ask anyway. Like, ask questions, get to know them, um, and be sincere friends, and then look for door, open doors to, to talk about Jesus. And finally, important, I would invite them into the community of believers. So we do this, we have a very communal idea of how to, to love people, and we want people to meet more believers, we want people to visit more churches, and to, to see this as kind of a, a, the community bringing people to, to know Christ. And again, play the long game. There might be a lot of reasons for this. Some of them will have very low English level, level and it might take a year of just being their friend to the point that they actually understand a little bit about Jesus. Some of them, at least with us, most are coming from Muslim backgrounds. They have a lot of things that are a lot of mistruth about who Jesus is and about who God is, and we love them, but these things are hard-grained and it takes a long time to, uh, to, to get broken out of. So um, be patient, play the long game. Um, and be really, if you, as much as you can, commit to be in a relationship for the long term. So, and then and again, come, come and serve with us. We would love to, um, love to have you come. So, 
Next, next slide. In, um, in closing, again, in our Bible lessons, we have a big idea. And in sermon, this is a big idea. If, I'm, if I've lost you at any point, this is kind of where we're going. So God saved his people. That's back to the exodus in Egypt. Therefore, we must extend that same grace to the sojourner in our city, to the refugee, the asylum seeker, the immigrant among us, by caring for them and proclaiming the gospel among them. So let me pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the radicalness of it. Thank you that you have called us to follow you. And I thank you that you give us the strength to do it, Lord. When we, when we fail, um, we're reminded that you are the God who saves and we are weak people who are we're saved, uh, the Israelites are saved out of Egypt and we're saved out of our own, uh, uh, our own sinfulness. And we're really grateful that uh, you interact with us in that way. And I pray that you would give us joy, that you would give us strength, that you give us hope as we engage with and as we love and care for the, uh, the sojourner who uh, sojourns among us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.